from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and see God. We'll talk about that tonight. And then it goes in verse 3. We'll talk about this as well, time permitting. They are all gone aside. They are all gone, or they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, this is important because this is really the reason that uh, we celebrate Easter. Uh, if it wasn't for the reality, this is in the book of Psalms. This is, uh, you know, uh, long before Jesus came to the earth uh, when this was penned and written by David. And, uh, and yet it was so important because the answer to this problem about uh, fools and men that are, that, uh, and those that are not seeking God, uh, which is, well, all, it says, they have all gone astray, uh, segues us to the reality of why Jesus had to come. Jesus came to die. Uh, he came to die as our sacrifice for sin. And tonight is Passover. Uh, there are Jews all over the world tonight celebrating uh, the Passover. Now, we know that Jesus Christ is our Passover. Uh, the Bible tells us that in Second Corinthians. But uh, Jesus Christ is our Lamb. He is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And He's also the door. The Passover feast celebrates... Uh, you know the exodus from Israel. I just was on a prayer call today, and uh, it happened. To, it was a kind of a. I won't get into the details, but it was a. It was a call where the, there was a Jewish man that was was praying. I was just listening in, and um, and he was he was mentioning the fact that uh, the, the Hebrew tradition is that all people should remember the exodus and find their way out of Egypt. And I thought, man, how biblical that is, because all men should, and they should do it through the Lamb, and the Lamb is. The Lord Jesus Christ, and so that was just so apropos. apropos. And uh, and so today, if you're in a in bondage to sin, man, it is a great time to reckon with the Passover and realize that Jesus Christ said, "I am the door. By me, if any man enter into in, he shall be saved and shall go out, go in and out and find pasture." You know, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. In the Old Testament, on the uh, the night where the death angel was coming. God said, hey, everybody, grab your house, kind of like we're doing in our houses tonight. Grab your neighbors and join in a, in a sacrifice of a lamb. Spread the blood over the door. And when the death angel comes, it will pass over you. And God, uh, God actually preserved the nation of Israel and their seed. And, of course, that was not the case for the firstborn of those in Egypt. And so um, there's always been a battle over the seed. And God wants to... Plant the seed of his word in your heart. He wants Christ in us, the hope of glory. And if you're born again tonight, you understand all those things and you're in the Amen Choir. But if you're joining us and you're not, man, there's so much richness in the word of God. There's so much that God wants to reveal. Nothing is an accident. And so uh, even the things that have been going on for centuries regarding the Passover are rooted and grounded in who Jesus Christ is and what he did as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So last week we were talking out of Psalms chapter 14 about the professing fool, and uh, I'm not going to go back and rehearse all that, but the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And so uh, what they don't understand is that, that obviously before the mouth ever speaks that kind of thing, uh, and I used to contemplate that when I was a lost person, I used to think that there was no God, or at least I would try to entertain that, and, and uh, it was kind of foolish, actually, uh, very foolish. Uh, but what I didn't really realize is that is that and understand is that how important it was, um, you know, to, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to believe the witness of creation and all of those things. And the professing fool cannot help but act out against God. It's just a matter of time, you know, before you start acting out against God when you don't really honor His authority, believe in Him, 
Um, and again, I can I can speak from experience. I'm not like pointing the finger at anybody. I, I, I know how that is. Um, and so uh, it's just a matter of time. The Bible says they are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And uh, that's a hard saying because we live in a world where people don't want to think that about others, and that we're all innately good. Uh, well, that does fly in the face of what the Scripture says, and it flies in the face of human nature. Man left to himself actually does not get better. There is not an evolution, uh, but a, uh, a de-evolution. I don't even know if that's the right word. That'd be a, that's an oxymoron, what I just said. So it's a de- we, we degenerate. That's the word I'm looking for. We just degenerate, and so we need, we need God. Uh, boy, in a time like this, more than ever, we need God. Because uh, this world is not a vacuum. There is evil and there is good. There are forces uh, at play. And God is good and Satan is evil. And this whole of creation, all of humanity, uh, from the time of Adam to this day, are caught up in a cosmic conflict between the essence of who God is, which is good. He is, he is love. He is light. He is life. And who Satan is, uh, which he's a liar. Uh, you know, fear is not a liar. Satan is a liar. Make sure you get that straight next time you listen to that song. But at any rate, the clock is ticking on hope. And so this is a good time. We talked about that last week. That's how I've wrapped up, just talking about how important it is to grasp that. And I think everybody that was listening got a hold of that. And so tonight I want to talk, I want to kind of transition as uh, we're preparing for Easter and we're thinking about, you know, what Jesus Christ endured. You know, he was, uh, he celebrated Passover with the disciples, knowing that he himself was going to fulfill the uh, the type. He is the anti-type uh, of that. He's the one who wrote the law, knowing that he would fulfill it. Uh, and so he um, he celebrates the Passover, and and even then, his apostle, the, the disciples didn't fully grasp uh, what was going on, even though he had plainly said he was going to die on the cross, he was going to rise, rise again the third day. Uh, they just weren't really grasping that. And even today, we talk about Easter, we talk about the resurrection, um, and there's a lot of discussion about this holiday, but what's it really about? And it really boils down to really understanding that Jesus Christ is who he said he was and he's alive. So if you have your Bibles, I've already got you in Psalm chapter 14. Maybe you're just joining us. We're glad that you're joining us. Uh, If you have a need, you need some prayer, you can call in tonight, 816-380-3033. Pastor Jim Boyette's man in the phone right now, and you can call and talk to him. Uh, If you need anything, we'd love to help you out. You can also get us at contact at hbfcast.org. But tonight we're going to talk about the practicing fool. The practicing fool. And uh, we've already read this, but I want to focus on verse 2. It says, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and see God. And so God is actually interested in our response to, well, to Him. He's interested in how we respond uh, to truth, because Jesus is the way, He's the truth, and the life. And so, uh, you know, when when we talked last week, was just I couldn't resist this passage because of the the fool and being April Fool's Day and all of that other stuff. Um, but today, I want to just talk about the practicing fool, because there's those that are actually engaged in in practicing um, an avoidance of God and. I'd like to tell you that, uh, you know, that's just lost people, but it's not. And I want to get to that in just a minute. But if you have an outline, by the way, I sent out a link to our website on the, on the listen page under tonight, Wednesday night Bible study. Uh, you can find under uh, the Fool Has Said uh, uh, sermon, you can get the, the outline for tonight. For those of you that like following along on outlines, 
And your, your blank tonight under point two is the practicing fool. And uh, the next point is among the children of men, you will not find any that did understand and did seek God. And so that is, uh, that's really what you're going to find. Now, I want to focus on another verse that we have here, which is Psalm chapter 53, <clears throat> verses 1 through 6. And so that passage says, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there was any that did understand. That sounds exactly like what we just read in Psalm 14. And it goes on to say that, and that did seek God, every one of them is gone back. They are altogether become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Now, what do you do with a passage like that? I mean, if you want to really feel good about yourself and, you know, like, you know, everybody hold hands and sing Kumbaya and, and uh, you know, what do you do with a passage like that? You know, you really have to reckon with, well, what is God, you know, what is God saying there? And he's saying a lot, and he's trying to communicate some things to us that are hard. You know, God doesn't stay away from the hard subjects. Uh, he deals with really where we are at. And, and this subject starts in chapter, uh, Psalms 14, dealing with the heart of man. And really, we can put a veneer on the outside, but inside of the heart of man, there is a major problem. And that's why Jesus became this, the Passover lamb. That's why Jesus fulfilled the prophecy because, uh, as it says in Hebrews, the, the blood of bulls and goats is only going to go so far, right? It's not going to cleanse us of our sin. We needed a better sacrifice, and that is Jesus Christ. He has atoned for our sin, making us at one with God. And so we need that good news. Why? Because there's bad news. Uh, and, and so Jesus is the answer. He is the good news. And so... You might be saying, you know, why is it that people don't understand and seek after God? And that's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. So, um, um, you know, from the opening pages of the Bible, you don't see man um, created in God's image and likeness searching for God. Isn't that interesting? When you think about that, just pause and meditate upon the reality of that. You don't see Adam actively seeking God in the Bible, in the opening pages. You see Adam running from God, and you see God actively seeking after Adam. And it's interesting when you think of Psalms, which is on the screen right now, Psalms 53 and also Psalm 14, how God is actively, you know, it says there, God looked down from heaven upon the children of men. And you can back that story all the way up to Genesis chapter 3. And God is looking. Now, we also know that God was, but prior to the fall of, of Adam, walking with Adam in the cool of the day. So obviously he was there was a custom there was a custom between them to walk together, but you know what? Not that day he was missing, and God was the one on the lookout. He was the one searching for Adam. You know why did Adam run to begin with? And that's a really good question. Well, it's the same reason we run from God. I mean, I wish if we had a room, I'd say raise your hand if you ever ran from God. And then the ones that wouldn't raise their hand, I got to tell you, you're you're probably you're kidding yourself, honestly. Now, it doesn't mean we literally, like, run out the door from God. Sometimes we do. I just, you know, um, I've read, I read, just read a testimony um, again. It's an old testimony. But Adoniram Judson was, uh, before he became a, a world-famous, just epic missionary uh, to Burma, when he was a young man, he was kind of running from God. He had uh, decided he was just going to be in the entertainment business. And God kind of intervened and, and changed one night as he was next to a man suffering in another room as he was, I don't remember what city he was in, but uh, God just, just just broke him and he finally quit running from God. And it's a good thing he did because he ended up going uh, to Burma 
and changing after over 30-some years of ministry there, absolutely rocking uh, that entire nation for the gospel. And it's still, uh, still resonating to this very day. I mean, it's amazing what God did in his life. But that was a guy that at one time in his heart, something was, was, was really kind of causing him to go against God and run from God. But God worked in his heart. So that, that battle does go on in the heart. And so God is looking. He's seeking. And, and you know, I, mean, I say this a lot. I've said this a lot in the last few weeks anyway. I, I, don't, I don't see hearts, but God does, right? Man looks on the outward appearance. God is the one who sees the heart. So, so that's an interesting thing. So we don't know uh, all the details of um, what was going on in Adam's heart, but, but God did. And uh, it was an inter- it's an interesting thing because Adam had a heart problem when he, he was faced with confrontation with an outside spiritual force called Satan. Adam didn't profess that he didn't know God. He simply didn't appeal to God when he should have. And, and so that's something to think about, I think, for all of us that are Christians. Not just, you know, it's easy to talk about atheists and on April Fool's Day and stuff like that. But let's talk about us. You know, because there's times, you know, Adam was the son of God, right? I mean, that's his title uh, in the book of Luke. And, and, and I'll tell you what, he was created for a mission. That's why Satan attacked him. But when he was under attack, he didn't appeal to God. And boy, it's so important that we appeal to God. It's foolish when we're under attack and we don't go to God in prayer. When we don't resort to God. When we don't, uh, you know, go to God. And sometimes, sometimes I don't do that either. You know what? And we end up paying for it, right? We need to make sure that our prayer life is where it, it needs to be. And if it isn't, what's the problem? Is it our prayer life? Well, it's really resulting from our heart. There's probably something going on in our heart that needs to be adjusted. And, and you know what? We can do that. We can bring our heart to God. We don't know um, why, but he did not fall on his knees and cry out to God and seek after God. He didn't. He, he, he went on with the plan, and he took of the fruit, and then he and, and Eve ran. And then they covered up. And they killed something. They killed a, a, some leaves off a, off, a, off a tree, and they covered up with leaves, you know, to hide from God, and uh, in, in in the in the trees there. So, uh, it's an interesting thing that he didn't appeal to God. He didn't cry out to God. But you know, when you think about Easter, right? You think about the Passover. What did Jesus do? I mean, he's God. But you got John chapter, you know, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. What's Jesus doing? He's going to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is, he's, he's praying. Now, this is the, the, again, Son of God. Adam was the first Adam. Jesus is called, in Corinthians, the last Adam. And so what did Jesus do when he was being faced with opposition? And he's the God of the universe and with skin on. Did he just say, you know what, I got this. <clears throat> no, he didn't do that at all, man. He... He humbled him. He's God. He didn't have to, but he humbled himself. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Hebrews, he humbled himself and became obedient. Actually, Philippians, I'm sorry. Uh, He humbled himself and became obedient, chapter 2, unto death, even the death of the cross. But before he did that, he prayed. And the Bible says he sweat drops of blood. I mean, it was such an intense spiritual situation. Man, it it was his deity facing up with humanity and going against his own nature. I mean, how do you do that? Only he could win that battle. And he did it because the Father said to. He said, not my will, but thine be done. You know, Jesus never had an opportunity to disobey until that point. 
Because he could have made an argument. Wait a minute, Father, I'm, I'm blameless. I'm harmless. I'm, I haven't done anything wrong. I don't really need to do this. And he could have argued with the Father, but the Bible says that he submitted. He humbled himself and became obedient. Uh, he had to do something he would prefer not to do, but he did it anyway because he loved the Father. His heart was right. Uh, and you know what? That's the reality is our heart needs to be right. Otherwise, we're foolish. We make foolish decisions when our heart isn't right and we try to take our own lives and go our own way with them. You know, that's kind of what happened with Peter right there in that same example. So, again, we're using the, the actual days of the week. We're, we're, we're approaching Easter. What was going on with the disciples? Well, they're all struggling. They're struggling with the reality of, of how Jesus Christ is becoming the Lamb. They love seeing Jesus as the king. You know, it's kind of the antithesis of where we are today in our society. Everyone likes to see Jesus as a, a little baby in a manger, you know, Christmas time, where they like to, they don't mind seeing him hanging on a cross, you know. But we don't really go that far with him being alive. Well, Christians do. We celebrate the resurrection. But we don't like have coming King Day, you know. Let's talk about Jesus and his millennial reign. Let's talk about Jesus returning in his wrath in Revelation 19. We just don't, we don't sit around and talk about that. But really, the next thing on the calendar is that. I mean, he is large and he is in charge. And uh, what we have right now is an age. We're on the tail end, the tail end of an age of grace. And it's hard sometimes to reckon with how God deals with, with men. It's also hard. It was hard for the disciples to even reckon with what God was doing uh, in regard to Jesus being the sacrifice for their own sin. And they were resisting that. Why? Because, well, their hearts. They needed to, they needed to accept the will of God. And so, uh, man, the will of God, by the way, um, I just, you know, throughout the ages, there's been people that, you know, they cast lots to figure out God's will. That happened one time in the Bible. There's lots of ways that people, you know, people say, I wonder what God's will is. You can know God's will. It's right here. This is his, it's actually got two testaments. When someone passes, there's a will and testament, right? Well, we got two of them. We got the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we, we operate by the New Testament, but it's not just the New Testament, right? Because the Bible is given to, it's all written to us. It's all written, uh, I'm sorry, I got that backward. All the Bible's uh, not written to us, but it is all written for us. But we are, obviously, God has given us the New Testament um, to help us understand how to engage with His grace during this dispensation of grace as He's pouring His grace out upon uh, all of humanity through the church to, to bring the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is alive, that He died on the cross and He rose again the third day. What an exciting time to be alive. What an exciting time. I heard some testimonies this week from the COVID uh, uh, tracks. I won't say names, but there are people from our church that are connecting with people and giving them John and Romans and, and having great conversations and praying with people to get saved. And this is a wonderful time, a great time to really help people understand that God does love them, that God has not just brought a solution for COVID. He's brought a solution for a bigger problem, which is the sin of mankind, so so why is it that people don't understand? Why is it that they don't see God? Uh, it's because well, they're sinners, and they're under the condemnation of sin. Now you notice, I didn't say I was a sinner because it always bothers me when Christians, born again Christians, say I'm a sinner. Now that's not wrong in the sense that we we struggle with sin in our flesh, dwells no good thing, and and the residue of sin remains in this old carcass, and that's why we got to drop it. Flesh and blood does not inherit the kingdom of God. But the reality is when you get saved, you are a son of God. You are changed. You're in the inside. You are sealed 
until the day of redemption. The Bible uh, is very clear about that, that Jesus Christ has dealt with our sin. And so it's important that our identity is found in Christ as a child, as a son of God. Uh, because when you're lost, you are hopelessly sinful. You are a sinner uh, by nature and by action. And that's why you and I both need a Savior. That's why on March 25th, 1987, I had to bow down and confess that to Christ and understand why His sacrifice was sufficient for my sin, believing that He rose again. And then when I called upon the living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to come into my heart, He did it like that. It was outstanding. It was, it was remarkable. Uh, and the change came, not because I was reforming myself, it was because He was transforming me from the inside out. Literally, Christ in me made the difference. And then the Word of God and the Holy Spirit working together is how you understand, right? God's looking for people who understand. That's what the text says in Psalms 53, right? He's looking for people. How do you understand? How do you get a hold of God's will and testament, right? Well, you've got you to gotta get the person that can teach you. And the Holy Ghost, the Bible says, is our teacher. And so when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes inside. But He also has given us the church. So the Holy Ghost teaches us and then... God has given pastors and teachers. He's given us the church. And God reveals who He is and His Word through the local New Testament church. Times just like this, where we can open up the Word of God together and study it. So I hope you are studying your Bible. And so some don't believe the report. So not, some, some just don't, you know, they just don't know. And others just don't believe. Some don't believe the report of Scripture. And so we've looked at Psalms 53. The end of that, uh, that verse there, verse 3, it's on the screen. It says, it says there, every one of them has gone back. They are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. So the fact that, that some of us may be offended by how a clean, righteous, and holy God looks down upon his creation and sees that they're all together unclean um, kind of reveals in itself our standing with God. Because some deny God because they choose their goodness over God's righteousness. And so there does have to be a reckoning with the holiness of God. It should not offend anyone when you really think about it logically. Think about it logically. All right? I'm not talking about a warm fuzzy. Use the cranium that you got in your brain and think about holiness for a moment and sinlessness. I mean, our whole world is being moved right now so we don't get infected, right? And, and everything is being separated out right now for COVID. And we, we understand that. So what is God saying? God wants to reconcile with us because He is holy. He is not infected by sin and has not. He became, well, He became the antidote. It's amazing. So some don't believe the report. But you know what? It's important that we, uh, we like to proclaim our goodness. But we need to proclaim His goodness. And weigh it against the holiness of, of who He really is. Our goodness against His goodness is, well, that's why we become all together. Uh, you know, filthy, uh, as the text says in verse 3. Uh, even a speck of dirt compared to the righteousness of God is just wholly un, unworthy. And so Proverbs 20 and verse 6, and I'm going somewhere, so don't check out on me now. says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. So we do like to talk about how good we are. You know, man, look at me. I'm so awesome. You know, everyone, what's that? Oh, thank you. They're helping me in the booth because I forgot to move my slide here. So good. Thank you. So we like to talk about our own goodness. But, and you know, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being happy with accomplishments and stuff. So I'm not a Puritan here. But the reality is, 
is that you do have to, that we all have to understand that at the end of the day, God is the only one who's right, and we're all wrong. So Paul used the same passage himself. Check this out in Romans 3. And I think many of you may be familiar with this, but maybe you're joining us and you're not. It says, what then? Are we better than they? Because this is really the issue. So, are you, well, Brian, are you saying you're better than me? Oh, well, hang on. Let's see what Paul says in Romans chapter 3. He says, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. Now, there's a good reason why this is coming up. Because Paul is dealing with those that knew the Bible, the Jews. They had the whole Old Testament. They were stewards of the Word of God. They were there to, to reveal that to the world. And yet, when their Messiah came, they missed him. <laughs> and so, it's like, that's a big miss. Uh, and, so, and so, Paul is saying, you know, even though God has a special plan for the nation of Israel... And he does, by the way, and, we're, and we can see it being worked out right in front of our eyeballs right now. Uh, since God has a plan for those folks. But you know what? God says, you know what? I'm going to count everyone equally sinful because according, in, in comparison to my righteousness, you're all undone. But also when he does that, he also offers the solution. And so, and that, of course, is Jesus Christ. So let's look at the text together. It says, No, in no wise, for we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, they're all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, there is no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God, they are all gone out of the way, they are altogether become unprofitable, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Man, that's, that's what Paul says in Romans 3. So when confronted, we like to. This is what we like to do. We like to hide. If you're doing a fill in the blank, that's your word there. Hide like Adam in the garden. You know, first he ran, right? He fled from the presence of God, and then he hid, and then, well, he placed the blame on his wife after he covered up with some fig leaves, right? And so, uh, there's nothing new under the sun. God placed. Um, you know what God did? God placed the blame on the lamb. God allowed something innocent to die and covered the sin of Adam and Eve. And that is just a picture, just a type of what would happen someday to cover our sin. It wasn't our own works of righteousness that we've done, but it was the work of Christ, the work of Christ on the cross. We're saved by His work and we're saved by His faith. And praise God for it. We put our faith in Him because He is faithful. And then God counts us faithful. God makes us righteousness when we, by faith, trust in what He did and the supply for our sin. Because it's not bad news when you're talking with God because God made a way to escape. That's what I love about John 3.16. It doesn't say Jesus so loved the world. It says God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. The character of God is such that he loves. He's the one in Genesis 3 seeking after Adam. Uh, He could have just said, you know what, Adam's out. I'm going to just destroy everything and start over. He didn't choose to do that. He, He wanted a redemption story. And he wants all of us to be part of that redemption story. So today God is calling sinners to repent. That's the next fill in the blank if you're following. So, so come out from hiding tonight. Maybe tonight you're hiding from God. You know what God says? He wants you to come out and, of hiding. He wants you to be reconciled to him. You know, the Apostle Paul preached at this place called Mars Hill. And uh, I put this, the verses up there on the screen. And he's up there preaching uh, to these people that don't have even a concept. It's kind of like today. There's people who don't even know who God is. So he finds this statue and he, and, he, and he says, Ah, this is the one that it's like the insurance policy. The one that just in case. The, the, God, the, the statue, the, the idol to the unknown God. And so he says, That's the one. That's the God I need to tell you about. The one you don't know. And what he told them is that, that, uh, that, 
the, the times of their ignorance, right? The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men, all men, everywhere to repent. Jew and Greek, Jew and Gentile. It doesn't matter what your religion, it doesn't matter if you're a Muslim, it doesn't matter if you're Jewish, it doesn't matter if you're raised in a Christian church, in a Christian home. If you've never come to the place that you, in your heart, right? Repentance, by the way, it deals with the heart, the change of heart. And the change of mind, it produces a change of life. And when you understand that God loves you and you put your faith in Christ, my goodness, it, it changes you. And so God calls all men everywhere to forget your ignorance, forget everything, forget your religion, and put your faith in the person, the resurrected Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's incredible what he does. And so in Second Peter 3.9, the Bible says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. You know, some people think, yeah, they've been saying that for thousands of years. Well, hang on. But his long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So if you haven't hung on long enough to hear this, man, I'm bummed. Because a lot of times when you throw out these verses about no one seeks after God, we're all unrighteousness. People, well, they get offended. Why? Because we are unrighteous before a holy God. And, and we want to run from that kind of information. But you got to hang on and realize that it's God's heart to reconcile us through the blood of the Lamb, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, that there's wrath coming and He doesn't want anyone to face, face the wrath of hell. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. He doesn't want people going into the tribulation uh, that, that don't need to, to, to do that. I mean, he, he wants all men everywhere to repent. And so, uh, man, God, He doesn't want you to perish. He wants you to, today to have salvation. And it's free. You don't have to earn it. You just simply have to believe what the Bible says. And so, if you don't believe me, you know, one of the other things you can believe is the witness of creation. The Bible says in Romans 1, it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of God, or of the world, I'm sorry, are clearly seen. So that's one of the reasons God's looking. He's like, who's going to understand this? They're clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so they are without excuse. I remember being lost and laying in the out and looking at the stars and just trying to process mentally how all of this could evolve to this place from an explosion, you know. And because that that was the that was the Sunday school lesson I was learning when I went to school, right? And so, so I was I was sitting there just like I don't think that's possible. I just don't understand how. You know what that really was? Was the Holy Spirit of God just crying out saying, Brian, do you understand how all this went together? There, I'm here. There has to be a God. And by the way, at that time in my life, the main thing he was teaching me is that it wasn't me. right? Some of you folks that are all messed up in Eastern religions, you really do believe you're your own God and all that stuff. You need to really repent of that. You need to change your mind about that. And understand that, that, you know what, you live inside of God's universe. There is God, the Father, Son, the Holy Ghost, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This is a God named Jesus Christ. And, uh, man, you need, to, you need to bow your knee to him, not to yourself, uh, because that is not going to help you out. It is just going to continue to keep you in, in a place of blindness. And so um, there's a lot more I'd like to say about that. But creation manifests the glory of God. And we, we need to just be honest about it. I mean, how do the trees change their leaves? I mean, you couldn't program that in a, in a, in a laboratory if you wanted to. I mean, it's amazing. Uh, we can manipulate some of the stuff that God creates, but even more and more with electron microscopes and telescopes. 
uh, people are finding out that, wow, this is incredibly complex, and there is a divine design behind it. Now, uh, lastly, I want to mention this as we talk about the practicing fool. Not all practicing atheists are lost. Now, that's kind of, it sounds like an, an oxymoron, but uh, I want to take you to another passage. In Titus chapter 1, in uh, verse 16, well, I'll start in verses 15 and 16. You know, when you think about an atheist is atheistic. That's all it means, is, is that there is, they're just saying, well, I don't have a, I don't have a, a belief in, in uh, I'll get there. I don't have a belief in, in deity, in God's, uh, um, God's power. I don't have any belief there, which is, Really not typically true anyway, but that's between them and the Lord. But not all practicing atheists are lost. So uh, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 1, it says, Unto the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their minds and their conscience is defiled. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work reprobate. So like Peter, the nine who fled when Jesus was crucified, <laughs> uh, you know, all of these disciples, they ran. You know, I mean, we're, right now the Jews are gathering all over the world celebrating Passover. Well, what, did the, what, did the, what did the followers of Christ do after Passover? Well, they ran from Jesus for the most part. <coughs> uh, John followed, but, um, you know, the, most of them fled one way or the other. And, uh, you know, the worst, uh, the worst practice, practicing atheists are those who profess to follow Christ, but then they don't. Um, you know, and I don't want to take too long on this subject, but, but man, if we're Christians, we need to follow God. We need to be an example of what faithfulness is and faith is. And so if you're, if you're in a situation, and I think, again, we can all raise our hand. I can and say there's times, whether people know it or not, uh, but in my heart I've drifted or I've ran from God's authority even as a Christian, you know, we need to repent of that. We need to humble ourselves before a holy God and thank, thank him, first of all, that he will forgive us and accept us uh, and that Jesus Christ has already died for our disobedience. I'm talking to Christians here. And we need, to, and we need to repent, right? And we need to say, you know what, God, whatever you want in my life, that's what I, I just need to do whatever you want me to do. And that's, hey, if you need me to stop doing something, I'll stop it. If you need me to start doing something, I just went to the doctor a few weeks ago and you know what the lady said? She says, hey, Brian, you need to lose 20 pounds. I don't mean like that. Next time I see you, drop 20 I came home, and, and uh, my wife's like saying, well, you need to do this. And I said, I just need to drop 20 pounds. That's what I need to do. It's a decision for me. I know what I need to do. Why haven't I been doing it? I'll tell you why, because I don't want to, right? That's an issue of my own will. There, and I needed someone to say, no, this is what you need to do, or it's going to have a negative consequence. Now, it's up to you. Do it or not do it. I already knew what to do. Christians know what to do. We often choose not to do what we're supposed to do. We're like atheists, right? We're saying, well, I don't believe in God's word. Well, we obviously, intellectually, we do. In our heart, we do. But the reality is we've got we to gotta bow our will to him. And so, man, we shouldn't be living like we don't believe that there's a higher power, right? That there isn't just a higher power. There is Jesus Christ who is the power. He is the God. Uh, and so we can't run from him. Uh, we need to run to him. Let's do the opposite of what Adam did. Adam ran from God when he was faced with the problem. We need to run to Christ when we have issues, right? We need to come to him because he's there to help us. And so I just want to encourage the Christians in that. When we choose to walk in the flesh, what we're doing is we're hiding from God. Uh, We're like Adam. We don't acknowledge our sin before God. We don't confess it to him. We don't forsake it. 
And because of that, we don't get mercy, and we often reap what we sow. Uh, and it becomes a reproach to the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, man, at this time, let, let's not allow that to happen. So we have no business, uh, you know, casting, casting dispersions on lost people that are non-believing uh, when they don't have any, they're, they're dead in trespasses and sins. When we as believers don't live a life uh, that is any more convicting than that. I mean, gosh, at least they're, they're convicted about being lost. I mean, Bill Nye, the science guy, I mean, that guy, he's not even a scientist to start with. Um, he's an entertainer. I ain't mad at Bill. I mean, the guy's lost. He don't know no better. But the reality is Christians don't need to be like that. We don't need to be silly and, uh, and, uh, get, and, and mess up uh, God's testimony by practicing foolishness and denying God and running from Him and serving our flesh when God has given us every opportunity to walk in the Spirit. So what should we be doing? I'm glad you asked because I've got to finish up. This is what we should be doing. Uh, we should be preaching fools. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you know, after Jesus died on the cross, right, and he rose again the third day, after Pentecost came, 50 days later, the Holy Spirit of God came and indwelled the church. And these guys became preaching fools. So people that were at one time, I mean, what did Peter do? He denied Christ. I don't, he starts cussing, he starts acting like a sailor. You know, he's just, he's like, man, I don't know that guy. He denied him. But you know what God did? God met with him. God forgave him. Peter humbled himself. And 50 days later, God empowered Peter to preach. Paul says the preaching of the cross is foolishness to them that perish. But to us, us which are saved, it's the power of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. If you, think this, if you really think that Jesus Christ living and dying and, and, uh, and then rising again the third day is like just a joke... And it's a byword, and it's just so stupid and silly. Well, then the Bible says that you will perish because you really don't understand how important it is. Um, but that's okay. That's where you're at. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. So those of us that are saved actually have understood the power of the resurrection. We understood his death, his burial, his resurrection. So we praise God for that. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise and where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Speaking to the Corinthians, by the way, who were in the, were, you know, right in the bastion of Greek um, uh, philosophy. He says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You know, God wants people to just proclaim the simple truth that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for their sin, that he rose again the third day, fulfilling the scripture. He is the Lamb of God, and he is now alive. He rose the third day, conquering sin and death. He went to heaven, he ascended, and he atoned for our sin. He has, did the work of the high priest, and then he returned to this earth, prepared his disciples for 40, for, uh, 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 let's see, yeah, 40, 50 days, well, 40 days, and then they waited till Pentecost, 50th day, and then the Holy Ghost ends up descending upon him. He ascended back up in Acts 1.8 and replaced himself with the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost that indwells the believers. Now, that's the reality of the gospel, and he's coming back. And when he comes back, it's in judgment. And so right now is a time to preach because we need to have the same heart that Jesus has. So let's be preaching fools. Let me give you really some quick points here. Number one, the preaching fool is pardoned from sin. If you want to be a preaching fool... Grasp hold that you are pardoned from sin. 
And that is what the resurrection is about. You have been forgiven. You have been pardoned. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. You are no longer bound by the law of sin and death. You are free to serve. Romans chapter 6, you can choose who you serve, right? You make the decision. Don't be bound by any lies saying that you're bound by something you're not. You are free to decide to follow Christ. Secondly, the preaching, of, uh, the preaching fool is propagating the gospel. What is it you're to be preaching? Not some prosperity gospel, not some social gospel. That's going on all over the place in the name of Christ. Even tonight as I'm speaking, I'm sure. A lot of t- churches are preaching that through the, through the television. But the preaching uh, fool is propagating the gospel. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with uh, words that, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. God wants us to have sincere power, sincerity and truth, and preach the gospel, the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, propagating the gospel. That's your blank there. Third thing is the preaching uh, fool is putting, uh, putting up eternal rewards. There is something about putting up eternal rewards. When you're preaching the gospel, 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Man, there is a real incentive for the Christian to preach. You know what? I, I asked the church body to give me names of people uh, that we could send gospel John and Romans to. And I, I got to say, we only got a handful of requests. So I'm, I just want to sh- throw this out one more time. If you know somebody that needs to hear the gospel, we're mailing the gospel to people. We still got about 90 that, that we could send. We ran out of people to send them to. And, I, you know, like over 200 of those I personally gave the names to. And then Kathy found another 90 or so. And so I'm looking for people to help us get the gospel where it needs to go. I'm calling on you to invest in eternity. Give me a name. Email Kathy. Get that done. Because uh, tomorrow we need to get them mailed out as soon as possible. It'll probably be late if we don't. So anyway, that's a little advertisement. And then the fourth thing, oops, the fourth thing I want you to see here um, is the preaching fool is, power, is a powerful witness. And I want you to think about Enoch. Enoch lived in a time where he walked with God and was not, for God took him. And, uh, man, I believe that's probably... Uh, we're right at the door of that, not probably. We are at the door of fulfilling that ourselves as the church as we walk with God and God takes us. But the preaching fool, listen to what the Enoch preached in Jude. In verse 14 it says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Well, wait a minute. This is, in the, this is before there was an Old Testament written. How did he know that? Well, because they knew that. Uh, they knew that before the flood. That had been passed down from Adam. Adam used to walk with God. Adam knew the plan. And Satan knew there was a plan and Satan didn't like it. So Enoch, he's preaching this. There's, he says, hey, he's coming with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they ungodly committed and their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against them. I talk about redundant. I mean, that guy must have been a Baptist preacher the way he's preaching like that. And so... I'm telling you what, Enoch, Enoch walked with God, the Bible says, and was not. So this is really my question, just practical application tonight. As we think about what we need to be doing as preaching fools, I actually woke up this morning thinking about this very thing. Uh, is this right now? What if the Lord was to come today? Uh, what if he was going to come in the, near, in the next week or the next decade? doesn't matter. But the reality is, am I going to be found walking with God? Or will I be shucking and jiving, playing some sort of Christian game, pursuing sin in my heart, 
and, and really running from God, covering up with things that aren't really what God wants and not being fully all in for Jesus. Man, I just, I'm like, Lord, I just want to be all in for you. I mean, don't you want to be all in? I know you do. But one of the manifestations of being all in for Jesus is you will be a preaching fool. Now, you may not be like Enoch and be preaching loud and proud. You may not be on a a, live stream somewhere preaching. But you might be. A lot of people right now are getting a lot of traction. Some of the best preaching I've heard hasn't been by preachers, by the way, lately. It's by just common Christians sitting around talking about what Jesus has done for them. I just heard a guy... They got prayed for in the hospital. It looked like in Ireland. And, uh, man, what a testimony that guy had. Man, it was powerful. That's the kind of preaching we need to be doing right now. We need to be glorifying God and his power. Then we need to also remember the preaching fool has promised more than he can comprehend. You know what? No matter how good it's going to be by following the Lord, you can't still get your mind around it. It's better than you can think. The Bible tells us that in Ephesians chapter 3. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now that's not the power of self-reliance. That's the power of Christ. That's the Spirit of God. Unto him be glory. Who is he? Well, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You kind of see the double entendre. So, He's working in us individually because we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us as individuals. But also then, I look at all these little paper faces in the sanctuary. <clears throat> he's working in the body of Christ as well. So that's incredible what he's doing. And so be it. Amen. That's what, the, that's what that means. And then the last thing I want you to see here is that the preaching fool... Oh, this isn't the last thing because I've got to have seven points. But the preaching fool is painfully aware of his flesh. You know, Romans seven eighteen says, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You know what, I will, let's be frank, we all struggle with being preaching fools. We all do. That's why we need each other. We need each other desperately. And uh, so make sure that uh, you don't really, don't ever forget that, you know what, you need the Lord, even after you're saved. Yeah, we have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, we got, we got all this stuff going on for Jesus. But it, don't, don't think too much. Let's not think too highly of ourselves, right? Because we still got our carcass on. And it deals us a fit, man. We, we are painfully aware of our flesh. But wasn't by the grace of God, we wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. I mean, God is so good to us. And then lastly, I just want to close with this. The preaching fool. Um, the preaching fool. I forgot to give you that verse, but there it is. Um, you guys, can, you guys can take that down and put it in your notes. The preaching fool is patiently awaiting the promise of the resurrection. And that's what we're celebrating Sunday is the resurrection. Easter is coming. And, man, praise God for that. I'm looking forward to celebrating that. But we celebrate it every day. You know, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. You know, there's a lot of talk right now uh, all over the place. Our governor of Missouri was talking about winning. Uh, the President of the United States talking about winning. Uh, all the sports people talking about winning, winning, winning. At the end of the day, you don't win unless you lose all for Christ. Christians got to get that down, man. We got to lose all for Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. Right? Paul's even saying, I'm going to set aside my heritage as a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm going to set aside all of that, and I'm going to be completely focused on Christ Jesus. Man, what an incredible thing. What an example that I might know him and the power of his resurrection 
and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And Paul wanted to be that which he had already become in Christ. He wanted to live out everything, the fullness of the resurrection in this life, the fullness of being filled with the Spirit, the fullness of pursuit of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he knew that he couldn't hang on to this over here and have that over there. And so, man, sometimes you've got to let go of what's tangible for the intangible. you just got to let go, and you got to believe God in His Word. Don't believe God for what you can't believe Him for, but believe God for what you can. And it starts with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fact that He lived, that He died, that He rose again the third day, and He's alive right now, and He's calling all men everywhere to repent. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. You know, Jim Elliott, missionary to the... To the uh, the Indians in Ecuador, I can't remember the, the, the Alka Indians, yeah. He said this, He is no fool who gives that which he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. So tonight I pray that God blesses you real good. And uh, in conclusion, I just want to remind you, I think I put this up here. Yeah, Ezekiel 18.32, For I have no pleasure in the death uh, of him that dieth, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. You know, God isn't, he's not happy about people that die and go to hell. Not at all. That's why he uh, prepared hell for the devil and his angels. He didn't want humanity to suffer there. But sometimes we make, we just refuse to follow God. He's seeking, the Bible says. You know, the Bible also says his hand is not short, that it cannot save. I mean, the Bible says call upon the name of the Lord. He's, just, he's done everything that needs to be done. He's already, before you were born. Christ died for your sins, is what Romans tells us. So all you got to do is call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. So if, you haven't, if you're not saved, I want to implore you to get a hold of us, uh, the, book, the, uh, the phone number. I don't think, don't, we don't have that on here, do we, Ray? There's that quote from Jim Elliott. So, no, we don't have that. But you can call us at 380-3033-816 is the area code, 380-3033. Or you can email us at, at contact at hbfcass.org. And uh, we would love to connect with you. If you're a church member, we thank you for joining us tonight or whenever you're watching this. Hope it's been edifying for you. Hope you're ready for Easter. And don't forget, if you get this in time, which is going to be have to be timely, uh, and you know somebody who would like an Easter, John and Romans, uh, with instructions on how to find our live stream and all of that business, and we can mail it to them. We have a COVID track in it, the whole nine yards. Man, please get with us ASAP so we can get that mailed out. And uh, that'll be a blessing. I hope you're encouraged tonight in the Lord. Are there any comments tonight? Anybody need anything uh, on the live stream? Any questions, comments that I need to respond to? I'd be happy to. Don't forget to to look over the prayer list. Again, get with your family. Sunday nights is a good time to do that. Uh, But don't forget to pull it down off the Internet and remember those from our church family that need some prayer. God bless you. Thank you for being with us tonight. I pray God encourages your heart. And uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, thank you for time and your word. I pray God that you just bless this uh, time that we've had to think about the practicing and the preaching fool. Lord, I pray God that uh, none of us listening would be a practicing fool. Though we all struggle with our flesh, Lord, I pray God we'd find that victory and decide and choose to be a preaching fool. Lord, this is a really a message to the body, but I obviously know that there might be someone listening who doesn't have a relationship with you. And I pray, God, that tonight they would come to know you as Lord and Savior, that they would, they would really call upon the name of the Lord, come out of hiding, come out from, uh, from running from God, and, and actually hear the call of God. Adam, where are you? They can plug their name in. Where are you? Lord, I pray, God, they would respond. 
and they'd understand that they are far from God and that it is Jesus Christ, Lord. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who came to this earth and found us. He is the one that before we were even born was already providing the way of escape from sin by dying on the cross and becoming the sacrifice for sin, the sin that, that, could be, uh, that, that would, uh, would condemn the whole world has been solved by the Lord Jesus Christ in uh, his death, in his burial, and his resurrection. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would receive that gift of eternal life, that they would receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for our church family tonight that we continue in prayer for each other. Lord, thank you for the love and the encouragement, Lord, that's going on between the body and uh, in the adult Bible fellowships, Lord, and the, uh, uh, just the, the things that I'm hearing and seeing and experiencing in the body of Christ. It's a very sweet time for many. Lord, I pray if it is not for others. Lord, I know there's other members, there are aged members right now that are stuck in a nursing home. And they can't, they can't get out, and they can't. And some of them are in declining health. And so, Father, I just pray for them as well. I pray for all those, those that I don't know. Lord, I pray, God, our hearts would be tender, they'd be compassionate. Lord, that we'd be sensitive to this time in people's lives, that we'd bring hope, that we'd bring life, that we'd bring light. Help us to bring a smile. Help us to bring joy. Help us to bring uh, just a, a touch of kindness, Lord. Uh, and help us to be Christ in a time when Christ is really the only solution for any problem. Lord, I pray, God, that that would be magnified, that that even as we go into Easter, that people would understand that Jesus is that sacrificial lamb. He is the Passover, and the death has passed over those that have received him as Lord and Savior. We thank you for that great gift of eternal life. Thank you for making us sons. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for giving us your church. Lord, thank you so much for for loving us, and thank you for returning to take us away and bring us back again to, to establish your kingdom in your glory and your power. We thank you and praise you by faith, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for joining us tonight. I pray God's best upon you as you continue to to, uh, follow the Lord wherever you may be. Uh, As we go off there, one quick thing I forgot about that maybe the Lord has prompted me. I just got a call from the uh, PSA. I got a call from the uh, census folks right before I came on tonight and, and uh, they want not only they want to remind you to go to the you can go online to do the census but if you're looking for a job from home you can also go to their website and uh, and they are hiring so maybe tonight you've been laid off something's gone on in your world and you're looking for a job uh, the census bureau called the church and said hey make sure to tell your congregation we're hiring so uh, so keep that in mind if you're needing a, a job with the census bureau Uh, Look them up online. They can get you connected and directed. God bless you real good. Hope to see you soon.